We are now, um, the Ramchal now, last way I spoke about uh, <coughs> uh, uh, loving God, the week before that I spoke about fearing God, what the, uh, the ideas of Avas Hashem is, Yiras Hashem, which obviously uh, is really in many ways a fundamental concept in, in Judaism, the concept of fearing and loving God, <coughs> obviously is essential to the actual work, service that you really want to do, the avoider that you want to do, of course, with God. <coughs> um, the Ramchal now talks about what exactly is the mechanism of how the Rabbanu interacts with the Bria. Um, but be before that, I just wanted to give a uh, so somewhat of an introduction, and that is that <coughs> all the acts of God, which is interesting, all the acts of the Rabbanu Shalom, God, is basically based on three ideas. The totality of his acts is really based on three ideas. The first idea, or actually the, the actions that he does is called the Anhoga, the Anhogas, his actions. And it's really based on three concepts, or three ideas. In other words, there are three reasons why God does anything vis-a-vis -vis us. What he does vis-a-vis -vis himself is unknown. But vis-a-vis -vis us, there are three concepts involved. The first one is called the Anhog of Kiyum. Uh, that is, what are the acts that God does, the actions, to create the entire creation? And obviously, he had a specific idea in mind. And what he does, therefore, is he creates creation, the existence, and so on, of everything. And the way creation is, is made is that it is made exactly to accommodate his purpose. You see. In other words, what he does is he creates the staging. It's like the, uh, the guy, you know, like, it's like a, a play where they have to create the, the stage uh, where the, all the characters do their stuff. You see. So therefore, the Anagos Hakim really is those actions that God does to create everything, which is the entire spiritual universe, the entire physical universe, uh, the whole concept of the living entities in the spiritual, in the physical universe, the concept of man, obviously, which is obviously central and so on, and of course the concept of Jews, the concept of the Torah. All of this is a result of what's called the Anhogas Hakim. And the Anhogas Hakim means those actions which he takes to bring the universe to its fulfillment. Kiyom, Pekayim, where the universe creation will actually come to its fulfilled purpose. And that's obviously uh, almost, as far as we're concerned, almost an infinite amount of reactions, actions that he does. And what's important to remember, <coughs> although it's very hard for us to understand, <coughs> that everything he does in the Anhogas Hakim, in the actions that he takes, to bring the universe to a fulfilled state, everything he does is only for that, which means that no matter what you see around you, okay, has its purpose in advancing the, the, the purpose of creation. Nothing that he made does not advance the purpose in some way. In other words, if you see a tree with a wind blowing the tree a certain way, right? or the wind direction is this from the north instead of from the south, right? And therefore the leaves are being blown in a certain direction. That must be to fulfill the purpose of creation. When you see that there are 300,000 species of beetles, not beetles, but species of beetles, there's trillions and trillions of species of beetles itself, then every species is necessary in order for creation to come to its purpose. Not only that, a tiger, for instance. Why does a tiger even exist, or why does a tiger look the way it does? Again, to advance the purpose of creation. Now, we have no idea what all this means. We barely understand how we advance the purpose of creation, right? But to understand how the almost infinite variety of the physical universe and each thing will advance the purpose is completely unknown to us. It is beyond co human comprehension, really, to know 
how every single entity, even a grain of sand, has to be located in its place on the beach in order to advance the purpose. We have no idea what that means. But that is the principle, <clears throat> that everything that exists must exist in its place at its time, right, in order to advance the purpose of creation. And it's interesting that, <clears throat> you know, there are species, for instance, that are extinct, <clears throat> or they go extinct. And the idea for that is because they are no longer necessary for the advancement of the purpose. And we have, of course, that doesn't mean we can kill everything, of course not, you know. But if God allows the species to cease to be, right, then what that means is that they are no longer necessary to advance the purpose of creation. It's a very important idea. How singular-minded is God in the sense that everything that exists only exists because it can advance the purpose at whatever level. And that if it doesn't advance the purpose, <coughs> it ceases to exist. <coughs> and like I say, we have no idea uh, of, of, of in terms of how we can identify the purpose of anything really um, in terms of everything that exists that's a fundamental principle of imuna of belief that's how I use the word tight is existence where everything matters everything is important and everything is has a purpose <coughs> so that's the concept of anogasakiyam which means these are the acts that God does um, to uh, advance, to allow the purpose of creation to unfold. The second series of actions that God does <coughs> is God responds to the actions of man. One of the things that Anogus allowed is that mankind has free will. Jews have free will. Goyim have free will. Everybody, all men, all mankind has free will. And that was part of the plan, and therefore, obviously, the reason why we have free will is that we can be held responsible for our actions. Because if we don't have free will, we are not responsible for our actions. Therefore, <coughs> what free will does, it makes us a true cause of whatever happens. And if we are, true, if we are in, because we have free will, a true cause of what happens, then we are responsible for the actions that, or, or the, the consequences or the effect that takes place. And therefore, if it's a bad effect, then we are culpable, we are guilty of doing something wrong. And if it's a good thing, <coughs> then we are culpable in a, in a positive sense, and therefore we get reward. You see? Because we truly have caused that effect. This is all part of the Anhogasakim. The second series of actions that God does is called Anhogasamishpat. What's Anhogasamishpat? It is those series of actions that the Rabbanishlam does, that God does, in response <coughs> to somebody's actions. Mishpat. In other words, Basically what happens, if a person does good, he gets rewarded. If he does bad, he gets punished. That's the basic formula. Although that itself becomes very complex. What's called good, what's called bad, and so on. But the main idea is that the response that God has toward the acts of man, insofar as he uses free will, <coughs> those acts which God responds to, because it's based on judgment of that person, it's called the Anogas Mishpat. Okay? The actions that God takes in response to judgment of man's acts based on his free will. That's it. The third series of actions that God takes <coughs> is something else, <coughs> which in many ways is a tremendous chesed, act of kindness that God does to us. Think about it. <coughs> If a person has free will, then he could. If if a person has free will, then he could do bad all day long, twenty four seven, because he has free will. You see, not only the person, it's possible for mankind to sin, twenty four seven, right? Because they have free will. But if they did that, what would happen? That means there would be no ilm haba because everybody's being chayte, everybody's sinning. So therefore, what that would mean 
is that the will of God would be completely frustrated because what God wants is to be an Oilem Haba. He wants a future world, right? And he wants basically mankind specific, it's certainly Jews to be an Oilem Haba. Uh, of course, he would like all mankind to be an Oilem Haba, but they'll exclude themselves, you see. Uh, but there are Goyim, of course, who will get Oilem Haba. But the main idea is that if a person has free will, then he could sin 24-7 <coughs> and therefore he, he can frustrate the will of God which is really incredible when you think about that you see <coughs> now you're going to say to me well that's, that's highly unlikely that everybody's going to sin 24-7 you know 24 hours a day 7 days a week right I mean what's the, what's the probability of that <coughs> you would argue with me and say there's no probability for that come on you mean everybody's going to sin 24-7, right? And therefore the will of God will be frustrated? Well, guess what? It actually happened. By Noach and the flood. Everybody obviously sinned 24-7, right? And God decided, well, enough is enough, right? Right? These guys are destroying my entire desire to bring the future world, right? I'm going to wipe out the whole world. And he did. So the flood of Noach is a classic example that because man had free will, right? They sin 24-7, or certainly they sin enough, for the Bonshim said, enough is enough. Correct? So you actually see that it did happen, right? So forget about your probability, right? Uh, so what the Bonshim does is he says, listen, you know, I don't care. Mankind cannot frustrate my will. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a series of actions. And this is called the Anhogas Yichud that guarantees that the world must have a kiyum and there must be somebody in Oilem Habo or whatever the population is, right? <clears throat> that system, those series of actions that God takes that guarantees that there will be an Oilem Habo, that guarantees that this world will be rectified, which means that I will come back, tikkun, right, must happen. Even though, and the incredible thing about that, is even though man has free will, right, doesn't make a difference. This, these acts of God are so, so profound that somehow they get around the free will of man. And even if they sin, it's still possible that there should be Oilem Habo and everybody should be in it. You see. Now, one of the main ways that this Hanhoga acts is through the concept called suffering. You see. So because of suffering and pain and all that kind of stuff, God is able to subvert the world and allow people to get into Ilm Haba even if they sinned. Now, <clears throat> these series of actions called Anhogas Yichud, why is it called Yichud? Because justice doesn't say, hey, wait a minute, justice says, if you did good, you get good. If you did bad, you get bad. Justice doesn't say, we've got to rehabilitate you. Right? That's not justice. Right? Justice doesn't say, well, if you did bad, I'm going to give you a second chance. No, no, no. Right? You did bad, you get punished. And that's the end of the story. Uh, you see. So, Anhogas HaYichud, therefore, the one who could do this series of actions of Anhogas HaYichud, which is called the actions of the Supreme One, right, has to be above justice. Uh, he has to be a being that completely can completely suspend justice. He has to be so high above that he has to be so supreme that he can suspend justice. That's why this Hanhoga, these series of actions, is called Hanhoga Sayyichud. It is the series of actions by one who is above everything. The Yichud. <coughs> he is the one and only. So he can do it. Yeah. We have questions in this year? Yeah. It's a class, not a okay, year. So... You see, you're now taking advantage of the fact okay, that it's a class. Exactly, take advantage of exactly, that. That's exactly so what... The, the whole idea of the Nahamadik Sufa. Nahamadik Sufa, yes. Because really, everything is meaningless except that I earned it through my own choice. So this Hanhagasayichot seems to destroy the concept of Nahamadik Sufa and all my actions are rendered meaningless. I'm at Disneyland now. I get to go on a ride. Someone paid my ticket. Big deal. Who cares? Okay. It's not my mm -hmm. Olam Abba. I didn't do anything to really deserve it. Yes, but I, I want to tell you something which is interesting. Anhogas Sayyichah doesn't work for everybody. Remember, 
it, somebody has to be in Ilm Habo. That doesn't mean, but there are many people that will not be in the future world. Mm-hmm. Right? So where's Anhogas Ayichat for them? It's not. Mm-hmm. You see, you have to be worthy of Anhogas Ayichat. Mm-hmm. That even if God sees you slipping, He somehow is going to interact with you and get you straight. But He doesn't do it for everybody. Because there's some people like, like I'll give you an example. Hitler, Machshamayi V'Zichroim. Right? There's not Anhogas Ayichat for him. You know what I'm saying? On the contrary. We, we cannot even comprehend what this man is, what his, whatever soul the guy had, you know. And so on. we cannot even comprehend this suffering that he's going through, you see. And, and, and there's no Hanhogas Yichud for him. Hanhogas Yichud is a privilege. You have to earn it. But what it does do is that there's somebody that's privileged, you see. So therefore it will work, you see. In fact, there's a whole history of Hanhogas Yichud, which I'm not going into now which in many ways the premise of sukkah, sukkahs, which I'm not going to go into. But Anagasichet is not for everybody, you see. But it does guarantee that there will be a future world and there will be a population in the future world there. By and large, it guarantees that there will be Jews in Eidam Habar. Therefore, almost every Jew that ever was created or lived, basically, Ramchal says, although the Ramchal says something different, but basically every Jew will be in Oilam Habo because as they say in English by hook or by crook God's going to get him in uh, you see although the Ramchal says later that there's a minority of a minority of a minority apparently he felt even of Jews that will not get Oilam Habo because their sins have been so grievous <coughs> I mean we, we, you, you talk about the Jews for instance um, you know that that were guilty of Mesira they informed on the government and then the government went and slaughtered out an entire village or whatever, you know, which happened. You know, unfortunately, there have been many Jews over the centuries that have really hated the Jews. And they have caused them incredible harm. It's hard to believe that a Jew can do this to another Jew. But there have been Jews like that, you see. So Ramchal states later on, that there are Jews that will not get Oilem Habo. But they are mir chabemir. There are an extremely, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, an extreme minority, uh, you know. But everybody else, they'll get Oilem Haba. And God just brings them back. That's one of the purposes of Gilgal. You see, you know, it's funny. In the, in the beginning, everybody lived to what? Eight, nine hundred years, right? Because in the beginning, what the Bansham wanted <coughs> is that everybody should do the Tikkun. You have one lifetime, you do the Tikkun, and that's it. So it take 800 years, you know? But what the, obviously what happened was, is that, you know, once you started off bad, you continued that way for the next seven, 800 years. So what was the whole point? You know what I'm saying? All it did was give you 800 years to do terrible evil. So Bansham said, no, well, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna split 800 years into nine lifetimes, you see? So if you really turn rotten in one lifetime, there's a chance in the second lifetime, maybe you'll, do, you'll straighten out, you see? So the concept that we don't live 800 years is really very good for us, you see? Because if we made a mistake and went, went down the wrong path, we'd be doing that for 800 years. That's not good, right? So therefore, what the Bosham has now done is he has divided up lifetimes, and that's the concept of Gilgal, where if you mess up in one lifetime, Right? Then you come back for a second lifetime, and then hopefully the odds are that you'll do better. At least, you know, so that's one of the uh, uh, important ideas of Gilgal, and that's why man changed from uh, 900 years, right? To 100, 120, whatever, you know? Some guys don't even make it past 20, you know, for whatever reason, because the Ransham says, hey, whatever, I mean, the, the, there's many chishbonis and so on. Anyway, uh, ideas and reckonings. Why, why you said for the Hitler Yamashimo is suffering. Why yeah. is somebody who's proudly destined for evil? What, what's the point of him suffering at all? <coughs> Why not just evil and be done with it? That's a good question. Yeah. I mean, that's what it would seem. But, you know, let's put it this way. You know, if a guy like, you know, Hitler, I mean, what this guy was believe, him or Stalin, you know, or all the famous, you know, or that crazy Mao Zedong, that crazy Chinese guy who killed 100 million Chinese. I mean, these guys are like the cherry on the cake of evil, right? 
Uh, no, because what the Bonisham decided is, no, no, that's, that's, that's too easy for them. Yeah, you know, so there'll be a judgment in heaven and they'll decide, okay, you know, uh, Mao Tse, you know, he killed a hundred million people. What'd you do this for? Well, wh whatever the crazy idiot is going to say, right? And what are you going to say, okay, we decided you've got to be annihilated. Okay, I had my fun, it's over. Oh, no, it doesn't work that way. Justice demands, what is justice really? Justice says every act creates a react, you know? What law is that in physics? Newton's third law? For every action there's always what? An equal and opposite reaction. What does that law sound like? Justice. It's really what it is, right? Newton, third law, right? For every a principle, a principle in Judaism, there's always a physical principle. That's the physical principle of justice, you know? There's no such thing as an act and there's no react, you see? And it's equal and opposite. That's what Mishpat is, you see? You did A, you must go through B, you see? And therefore, these guys did compared to, you know, because Hitler lived in Machshemoyim. 56 million people died. We have no idea what this guy did. I mean, it was six million Jews, which is enough to condemn him to who knows what, right? But 56 million people died in that World War II because this guy decided, right, that he wants a third Reich. Now, it's not just 56 million people. I mean, it's incalculable what that, the damage of that, right? But it's all, it's their whole lives were snuffed out. What each one could have done, you know, <clears throat> uh, you know, guy's 18 years old, he goes, joins the army, right? And he dies, you know, uh, you know, uh, right? What? Normandy. Yeah, Normandy, right? I mean, how people died in Normandy, you know, and all, you know, and so on, right? <clears throat> so his whole life is snuffed out. What, what kind of good deeds could he have done with his life, right? And then if he had married and would have had kids, <coughs> they had kids, and they had kids, Atsif Kaduris, and the other of all generations, right? He, he is responsible not just for their death, but he is responsible for every life and what it would have been until the end of all time, you see. And not only that, it's not just the people who died. What about the wives of the people who died and the mothers and the fathers and the agony? <clears throat> when you add it up, you know, you do not believe the sum of anguish and agony and suffering that this one man did while he was alive, you see. <clears throat> The only one who can calculate that is God. And the only one who could uh, recompense this guy is God, you see. <clears throat> and he will give him an exact measure of what he did, which is beyond belief, you know. You know fortunately, you know, no human could suffer that and live. Well, Hitler's dead, you see. And the neshama, God will keep it alive, right? As long as he needs to what's called expiate what he did and we don't even realize we don't even know what that is because it is justice yeah yeah you can't just say okay i had my fun okay you know i i thought it would work and okay take me out oh no you're not going out you see <clears throat> why do you think <clears throat> it's interesting <clears throat> Why do you think that there is a third world? You ever notice? The world is divided into three, three uh, sections. There's the superpowers, which used to be the United States and Russia, but Russia's no more a superpower, although Putin is trying to act as if he was, right? But he's not, right? <clears throat> the US is the greatest nation now, but they used to be superpowers. The second status of nations is called the industrial nations, you know, uh, mostly Europe and Canada and America, you know, and so on, you know. And then there's the third world. What characterizes the third world is incredible poverty, isn't it? Tremendous poverty. We don't even realize the poverty, you know. You go to India, I think the places where a guy makes, you know, $100 a year, something like that. It's, it's astounding, you know, what these guys make, you know. In Africa, you know, Africa, the whole Africa is, is, uh, is, is, is third world, right? Uh, a great deal of Asia is third world, right? South America, forget about, right? Why? Why is there such poverty? <clears throat> because what the Barsham has done is very interesting. And this is what you see in terms of the compensation. What he has done, most of the world is Chayav Misa. 
You don't realize that. Most of the world is subject to the death penalty. And most of the world is Gilgulam. Reincarnations, right? I take a look at what the, what did the Assyrians do? The only people they killed, the Assyrians or the Romans or the Greeks, right? Or the Babylonians, you know. Uh, uh, there are so many people that they killed, you know. Or there's so many people that they created incredible anguish, butchered, you know. So what does God do? He brings them all back. Where? He brings them back into the third world. Why? Because there are four things that are equivalent to death. Tomorrow says that, right? Four things. Poverty is one. It means if somebody is extremely poor, I mean really extremely poor, that is the equivalent, it's called a judicial equivalent. That is equivalent of a death penalty. Right? Why? Because when you're dead you can't do anything, and when you're poor you can't do anything. That's the equivalent, right? The second one is blind. Somebody's blind, that is the equivalent of a death penalty. Because if you're blind, eyesight is obviously the most important sense. If you can't, if you're blind, you know, you're, you're extremely limited in terms of what you can do. Right? So blindness, right? Then a woman who has no children is also considered a death penalty, right? I'm not judging anybody, don't get me wrong, I'm just saying this is what the Gemara says, right? Why? Because if she has no kids, then who's going to carry on her name? It's as if she lived and, and vanished, you see? And then somebody who has turas. It's not leprosy, which is a big mistake, but some type of uh, uh, skin discoloration, whatever, but it clearly is some type of an entity, even if it's not a disease, but it would meant that you had to go chutz machna. You had to go outside the camp and you had to be alone. So that's death because you can't interact with society. You're alone, you see? Nobody will have anything to do with you. Those four things. <clears throat> well, God's not going to make the world blind, right? He's not going to give them tzaras, right? And he's not going to make every woman childless who, who has to die, right? But what he will do is poverty. There you are. All those people that are poor, I mean, I'm not judging them, don't get me wrong, nobody really knows. I'm not saying everybody is poor, or everybody who lives in South America is because they're, they're subject to death. I don't know. But, based on what the Gemara is saying, I can understand why there's a death penalty, why there's poverty, you see. Because most, most of the people of mankind are, have to get the death penalty, you see. And therefore, they come back as a very poor person. You see? So there you are. Justice. You, you, a guy can't all of a sudden do something and say, well, I had my fling, and uh, you know, now I'm out of here. Yeah, you're, you're out of here. You're out of here, but you're coming back, right? And you're going to be out of here. You know, you won't know what hit you, you see. And that's why, you see, the, the, the poverty of the third world is in order to compensate or uh, uh, in order to... Uh, it's retribution in many ways because these people are reincarnations, you see? So that's what it is. So <clears throat> as I was answering your question, so not everybody gets the Anhog Sayyichot, you see. It's, it's only, there are people that have to pass a certain threshold, you see, <clears throat> which is interesting. How does God decide who gets the future world and who doesn't? Interesting, you know? So what it depends obviously is on the deeds of mankind. A person's deeds, you know. So if a person's deeds outweigh his bad deeds, that means not only the quantity of good deeds, but the quality of good deeds. Because sometimes one good deed can be worth more than 20 other good deeds. Depends on how much you have to give up and what, the, what you did and so on, you know. But if a person, when he dies, or at the end of time, I should say, because there are three judgment periods. When a person dies, uh, when the, uh, when the uh, person dies is one. Actually, Rosh Hashanah is one. When a person dies is two. And the end of the world, the great Yim Hadin Hanurva Godel Hanurva, the end of time when everybody will be judged as to their status for eternity. And that is a frightening time. Uh, you know, and for somebody who basically has more fifty percent or more, he will survive. And for that person, then God introduces another that he has to survive. You see, and therefore God will do all kinds of things to get him to survive. So to answer your question, it's not everybody. 
that has the Anhogasiyichud that will guarantee his survival. You see. But in any case, that's a major idea that uh, there is this Anhogasiyichud which is the, uh, the actions that God takes to guarantee the survival in the future world. Not only here. It's in the future world that this person will survive. But again, he has to pass a certain threshold. Below a certain threshold, it won't work for him, which is bad news, you see. You see. That doesn't mean he won't come back as a Gilgal to give him another chance. But then it's up to his efforts. You see, that Hunger Seyichud does something to him, you know, which makes him eligible against his own will, which is very important, you see. But also, one of the ideas of Anhagas Seyichud since I'm talking about that, is that one of the ideas of Anagas Yichud is that the acts that God does is completely, in many ways, completely unintelligible and illogical to us. We don't understand. We don't understand, but there is, but Anagas Yichud really takes place, not only through history, but in the end of time. We are in the midst of Anagas Yichud. Most of the acts that God does is Anagas Yichud. When you look at a tzaddik and he suffers, and you look at a, a Russia who is, he's, you know, he's like he's a billionaire or whatever, right? You are looking at many ways the Anogah for the tzaddik. The Holocaust is Anogah you see. It is those things that God has to do in order for everybody to survive in the future world, you see. And therefore the Axtas is completely mysterious. It is mysterious, it's unknown, because it, does, it, it, it there's no logic behind it, behind it uh, in terms of the concept called justice. It doesn't look like justice, like why? You see? It's something which is beyond our comprehension uh, in terms of why. These are the acts of Anogus Yichud. So I want to just say, you know, my, my, when it says Manur Masecho and so on, uh, what that means is that we cannot comprehend those series of actions that God does in order to guarantee that you will survive and that Jews will survive in the future world. It's beyond human comprehension. However, all is not lost. Why? Because in the end of time, it will be explained. Everything that God did, either why He created the world as it is, which is Anogus Hakim, got that? Or why why God did what he did to you hey I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for a, put, put a quarter in the meter is that, that what they take or they take more now I don't know I put my hand in my pocket take a quarter I came out with a nickel why did I do that even that is surim is judged that you had to come in and put your hand in your pocket come out with a, with a nickel instead of a quarter that's also judgment as little as it is, you know? Because the guy holds, hopes that he's gonna put his hands in his pocket many times and call a nickel, it's better that than going to the hospital for some major surgery, you know, you know what I'm saying? <coughs> but <coughs> even that's based, uh, even that will be explained. So someday Hanogus HaMishpah will be explained. And someday Hanogus HaYichud will be explained also. We will know. You will know everything, you, in fact, it's gonna be a video. They're going to sit you down, right? And they're going to play a video for you. Your life. You know, there used to be a, a, a TV show 50, 60 years ago. You know, it was called This Is Your Life. In fact, I remember the guy who used to do it. I think his name was Ralph Edwards. Wow, I can't believe I remember this. <laughs> you know, so it was an interesting show, you know. It was cute, you know. What happened is that a guy would come on, right? And, uh, and like, you know, they, they pick, I don't know how they got the guys, but they would pick somebody in the audience. I don't know how they got the guys, you know. Okay, you, you know. So they'll, you'll, you'll be the contestant next week, right? The guy would come on, and all of a sudden, they would bring out friends that he hasn't seen in 40 years. And you see this guy, like, he's going crazy, you know. They're, they're bringing out friends and guys, classmates, right? You know, guys he graduated with in college, professors, uh, you know, business partners, that he had 40 years ago that he hasn't seen in 40 years you know and they would bring all these guys out well, I think it was an hour show I don't remember you know and this guy would be like, like he, 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 he's plotting he's plotting 
you know, and this was called This Is Your Life, you know. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to understand what the object of this program was, other than the advertisements. <laughs> uh, but, but it was very, it was a very interesting show because it, it was an interesting, as I say, chap. An interesting concept, you know, take a guy and bring back his life, you know, you know, or like he hadn't seen his, uh, his sister in, uh, you know, in 48 years. And it was an sister come on the show. And, and like he, he was about to faint. I mean, it was really dramatic, you know. Uh, you know, in the end of time, we're all going to sit for this is your life. You see, and not only are they going to bring out, you know, you know, the Alta Boba, you know, the, 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 the grandmother and so on and so forth, and your, your business partners and your wife and your kids and all that kind of stuff, right? They're going to bring back all your Gilgulam. And you say, oh, I don't believe I was this kind of guy, you know, uh, 400 years ago, you know? Uh, and you're going to sit there and watch it, you know? And while you're watching this, it's going to explain every single thing you did and why it happened and what God's mishpat was and what the yichud was to make sure that you can survive in Olam Haba. Right? That's what we can all look forward to. This is your life. Right? <clears throat> and therefore, we will have everything answered. And therefore, when God renders the judgment ultimately, right? Hopefully, when you, you're, you're in Olam Haba, not only you're, you're in or you're out of Olam Haba, but at what level are you in or you're out? This is the ultimate decision, you know. Hopefully, well, that, when you do have that decision and so on and so forth, you know, you will, in the end, you will shake your head and say, yes, I deserve this. This is true justice, you know, what God did and so on, you know. And that's the great show of mankind that will take place in the year 6000. The great Yima Dina Kudva Nuro, the awesome judgment day. You know, and so on, you know. But, uh, so these are the, basically the three actions that God does in how He responds to creation, you know. And, um, and they explain many, many ideas uh, in terms of uh, what they represent and so on. <clears throat> but that's it. These are the three principles that determine God's acts. It's that simple. I hate to say, use the word simple, but, uh, but it's, it's that uh, uh, clear. And so on. Any questions? Can you just recap just what the three, not not explanation wise, just how does the mishpat? Well, the hanogas like <coughs> there's hanogas hakiyum, which is the acts that God does to bring about the entire situation that man will be tested. Okay. That's the whole creation, the malachim, the shama. There's the physical man. You know what I'm saying? There's the you know the Torah, the commandments. There's Jews, there's Goyim, there's North America, South America, everything. That's Hanogas HaKiyam. Hagas HaMishpat is since you've been given free will, right? Then the response that they have toward your free will, right? Mishpat, that's the second series of actions that God does. And the third series of actions is the concept of guarantee. It's called a backup plan. It's a contingency plan. That if you somehow are not making it, <coughs> But you are worthy in a certain sense, but you're just not making it. So that will enter in your life to sort of like assist you in getting into Ilam Habo. But it's yichud because justice does not demand that behavior, you see, because this is truly rehabilitation. And one of the places, that one of the main places that you see this, you know, when it says in the after Shemais, when the Jews get out of Egypt, it says, Ani Hashem Echo, I am God, your healer. What does it mean you're a healer? What do you mean you're a healer? It doesn't say I'm God your judge. <clears throat> I am God your healer. <clears throat> That's rehabilitation. What does a doctor do? Right? A doctor heals you from all the diseases or illnesses that you have. So therefore when God says I'm your healer, he's saying a very, very important thing. He's saying that my job is to rehabilitate you, not to punish you. You see... <clears throat> And in the end, that's the, that idea means that the role of God, you know, is judgment, which it is, because that's what justice is. But if you're not making it, right, then my job is that I will heal you. Don't worry, I will get you into Olam Habo. That's what Rafaecha means, you see. That God is now not just a judge, but his role also is that he's a healer. Very important idea, 
know, which makes us has a, have a certain amount of confidence. <coughs> but in any case, <coughs> these are the three acts of God. <coughs> you see. <coughs> now the Ramchal is going to now begin talking. Now that you have this background, which is really very important, <coughs> what determines what happens to everybody really? All these ideas, Hanogzakim, the Mishpat, the Yichud, and so on. You know, what determines what happens to a person? So Ramchal lays it down in a very simple formula. What determines everything, he calls the Ha'orah of God. It's called Ha'orah's Ponev, you see. When God faces you, that's what he describes it. When he faces you and he sends forth a Shefa, a Shefa means an influence, but what it really means is that he sends forth, imagine the closest thing that you can call it is energy. What the Ranshim does is he sends forth a power, a force, you see. And that force does everything. It does everything. It creates you, maintains your existence, right? And it will reward you, it'll punish you. And that's called the Haoraz Ponov. When God shines his face upon you, as it says in, you know, the Birchus Quranum, you know, you know, that God should... Uh, you know, enlighten, face you, and see. So, what's called Haoras Ponov is the Shefa, is the energy or the force that God will emit from Himself, so to speak. And that does everything. It creates, it maintains existence, it determines the quality of your life. You see. <clears throat> so, that's what does everything. When God turns away His face, so to speak, and all of a sudden, he is not giving the energy, at least to benefit you and so on, then what's happening is that there's energy in indirectly from the Sultan, you see, that's now doing a lot of bad stuff to you and so on. Because he has the, he can prosecute you, and ultimately speaking, uh, then the, the Besden has that energy, so to speak. Uh, it's indirectly. Uh, that they will now employ to do that which you deserve, which uh, ultimately, of course, is the concept of punishment. So, you have the Haoras Ponov, which is the enlightenment of God's face, and you have the Hesta Ponov, when God conceals His face, you see, which means that He will not send energy that benefits you. On the contrary, there's energy that's sent, obviously, that will put you in very difficult situations. Uh, so that's, therefore, what does it. <coughs> Uh, it's interesting, just a little Kabbalistic idea. We know that the world was created <coughs> with ten spheres, ten emanations. These are the elemental forces that God uses to do everything. Okay, what really He did, He created two, he created two sets of elemental forces, and they are described in Kabbalah as spheres, the igulim, circular. Spheres and spheres the Yoisha, straight or linear spheres. It's interesting. And this is all Kabbalistic and so on. I bring this down for a certain reason. <coughs> Why two? Because the spheres create everything and they maintain the existence. You see. But the spheres the Igulim, which means it's a circle. That's it's described geometrically as a circle, right? They have no be a circle has no beginning or end. Any point on that circle is a beginning or an end, you see? So the job of these spheres, okay, is to maintain, to create and to maintain the existence of. That's all they do. They do not change the quality of your life at all. They just put you into existence and they keep you there. That's what their responsibility is. And they're called the spheres, the igulum, the spheres of circularity. Uh, the spheres, the Yosha, the linear spheres, are the spheres that determine the quality of your life. You know, you know, not just your existence, but how I exist. Now, the spheres of circularity cannot be influenced by us. You're here, and that's it. The spheres of Yosha, they can be influenced by our acts. So we ultimately influence the spheres of Yosha, of linearity, you see. And based on our deeds, 
we either bring the shefa, the force or the energy down to us, the spiritual energy is down to us, and therefore we have a great life, or if we sin, right, then they recede, so to speak, and then we don't have such a great life, obviously, right? Then it's a whole negative experience and so on. So you have two sets of ten spheres, you see? Now, where do you see that? Remember, the human body has what? The human form, right, is really a model of the entire creation, you see. Now, since God does everything with those ten spheres of Yosha, therefore we have ten fingers. How do we interact with the world, with the fingers, right? Everything we do has ten, right, is with your hands. You know what I'm saying? So therefore, just like God uses ten fingers, so to speak, right, then we have fingers because we are a model of creation. That's why we have ten fingers. But those fingers represent what? The linear spheres. What's called the spheres, the Yosha. Yosha means straight, right? Right? But wait a minute. But there are also ten spheres, right, that enable us to exist. What are they? Ten toes. Ten toes. You ever notice your toes? No. Why do we have ten toes? It's interesting, isn't it, right? They're also ten. And don't they look like fingers? They sure do, right? But really they're short and you don't do anything with them. What do they enable you to do? Walk, right? And be stable, you know? The toes enable you to walk and they give you stability on the planet. You see, isn't that interesting? So the toes in man represents the spheres, the igulum. You see? Just like the spheres, the igulum, the circular spheres, right? They maintain your, they create you and maintain your existence. And the toes allow you to be stable on the earth. Their job is to do what? To maintain the existence, that's all. It means to create you and maintain your existence. That's their job, right? So the ten toes, ten spheres, they are toes, you see? Because they enable you to stand and walk, right? Just, uh, right? Uh, to, to enable you just to keep moving, so to speak, to keep going. But the ten fingers represent the ten spheres of, of Yosha, linearity, right? And these, you can do anything you want, you see? Same ideas, you see? So the ten spheres of linearity, right? They are the ones that give us how we exist, not the fact that we exist. It's interesting how the human body, and that the whole body can be interpreted as a model of creation. It's astounding uh, how it does. But I'm just giving you two of these... Uh, uh, metaphors, you know, uh, uh, models and so on, you know. Uh, but the idea is that everything is created, uh, exists, everything that happens is because God sends forth of the Yosha and also the Gulam and so on, you know, this tremendous force or this tremendous energy. Uh, and uh, of course, the, the job of this, of course, is to uh, increase the power of the spheres. <coughs> <clears throat> ten fingers. What was that Yosha? Yeah. Yeah. No. That's why when you do a bad deed, some guy looks at you and says, Yosha? What he's really saying is you just use the ten spheres of Yosha, right? And you did a bad deed. So he says, Yosha? That's a joke. Anyway. But in any case, <clears throat> um, yeah. Uh, so therefore, these ten spheres of, of uh, linearity, uh, they determine everything that happens. And the way to access the power of these uh, spheres is, of course, through the mitzvahs. If you do the will of God, whatever that is, and two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I went into the whole concept of the avoida and the, ex the extensions of doing whatever will bring you to do mitzvahs and whatever. Uh, <clears throat> so this will increase the energy of the spheres and give you incredible results in terms of your life. You know, you'll have money, you'll have health, you know, you have kids, every, everything, you know. Uh, you, you know, it, 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 it just does everything for you, you know. However, if you do sinning, if you sin, obviously that will not happen, right? And then you have all kinds of, really, all kinds of problems and so on, right? And obviously there are many problems a person can have. Um, and therefore, uh, that's if you don't do the mitzvah. So obviously, uh, the, the key, of course, is to bring down as much shefa as possible, which is this energy and so on. 
<coughs> and obviously to avoid having a tremendous amount of hester, uh, which obviously is uh, very, very, very important. So, you know. so a person who has, who has to go through an Haggis HaYichud, yeah. Yeah, let's say it's Tzadik. Yeah. Especially in this school, it's Tzadik. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But he has to go through because of whatever reason, he still needs to go through an Haggis <coughs> So all that, all that Shefa that's hitting him, yeah. where's it going? Because he's having a hard life. With what? Where's it going? That Shefa that's coming to him, it's going to him. It's going to him, but he still has to go through Ragnarok's Ayyichud. Yeah. A different problem. So he's having a hard life, but he's yeah. still having Shefa. Yeah, because the Shefa always comes from God. The question is, is this a reflection of his looking at you, Ha'ora? Or is this a, 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 a question of him not looking at you? But and that's Hester, concealment. He's, he's, Hashem is, go, is, is putting him through a period of Ragnarok's Ayyichud. Yes, okay. Gets into Olam Haba, yeah, okay. But that was still doing mitzvahs now. Yeah, okay. So you, oh, you can, no, no, you can have both coming at the same time. You know, in well, certain. But at the end of the day, he's having a bad life. Well, you know, I mean, but there's there's some good things happening to him, aren't there? The question is, is that extra shefa that he's not getting stored, or is it? I'm not getting you. The question is, he's having a bad life right now, but he's doing mitzvahs. Yes. He's getting good shefa. But there's an Avicii that says he cannot get a good life. So there's both... Even with the Shefa. Yes, there's a, there's a duality happening here. So, so part of it is Hester. I mean, no, part of it is Hester and the other part is Haora. You see? Haora are the good times and Hester is the bad times. Yeah, but they can happen simultaneously, right? In one day, a guy can, um, you know, get a great job and all of a sudden, one day, he can bury somebody. Right? It happens all the time. You know what I'm saying? Good news and bad news can happen in the same hour. You know what I'm saying? So, so therefore, it's uh, each one has its own type of um, relationship to God. Has nothing, has nothing to do with with Haba. No, it would No, no, no. It, it, no, there is. We don't get Shachar no Ilum Haba until right. Ilum Haba. Has nothing to do with Ilum Haba. Shefa is not talking about the Shachar Ilum Haba. No, no, no. Shefa is to get you to Ilum Haba. You know, to bring down enough energy, enough uh, uh, force to to get you into Ilum Haba. You see, but there's really something else going on because um, if God faces you and you have that energy, which means you have a good life, what it really means is that you get close to Him. Right. That's really what it is. Okay. Haora means that you are close to Him. You see, Hester means you're far from Him. Right. That's really the, the upshot of all of this. So therefore, if if God is looking <coughs> at you favorably, that means there's a haora. That means there's an, a light that goes upon you, therefore you are close to Him, you see. But the reverse, when God looks away, so to speak, then you are far, from, you are distant from Him, and therefore this is what happened. But they can both happen to a person simultaneously, or, or just at different times, you know, or which is what happens and so on, you know. Anyway, um, okay, so this is uh, so far uh, the, the concept of how things really happen and so on. And uh, I will continue about it next week.